it's your boy. We're here with an episode of VFW. Today, we have a very special guest. That's right. Brett Titus. Welcome. Hey, what's going on, guys? Uh, here with the Versace stoner himself on the VSW podcast, and I am happy to be here. You know, and we're happy to have you. I have to say, you know, I don't know if you remember the match, but I do remember when I was actually going through old footage because I, I go to a lot of shows, I film a lot of things. It was back in 21. It was one of those, you know, shows that were just coming back from the pandemic. And it was you versus Alec Price in um, Beyond Wrestling. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a really fun match. Uh, Alec Price, you know, he's a, he's a great young kid. He... um you know, at that point, you know, he hadn't really blown up as much as, you know, he is now, but he was just the former IWTV champion. Uh, you know, he's a, a young, sparry kid, so he's got a, a good a good career ahead of him. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, that was just a very exciting match for both of you. I, you know, I was very – I remember the match because it was, you know, a high-impact match. Both of you were very, you know, agile in the ring. And I remember you with the entrance gear. That was very – Personally, you came out, it was, I believe, like a skull kind of a gear. Yeah, I had a uh, skull mask, you know, um, from my time with uh, the foundation. Um, it was a group of pure wrestlers, and we had all had different little uh, masks that defined our characters and all. Um, so, yeah, the uh, it's a pretty badass mask, you know. So, uh, it uh, was actually made by a uh, special effects um guy that you know usually does like uh special effects and you know uh those types of things so it was not a, it's not a traditional like lucha mask so um it's uh it's pretty cool pretty badass i'm actually trying to sell it too so if anybody's interested you know just hit me up taking bids on it so that's great that's great and i'm last said you know but that was you know 2021 now you've been obviously wrestling well before that, um, when did you get into pro wrestling? Oof, uh, I mean, as a fan, uh, getting into pro wrestling, uh, oof, man, um, probably, uh, I don't really ever remember a time where I wasn't watching wrestling. You know, my first life memory that I can recall is, um, playing with my action figures. I had uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle figures, but I was pretending that one was Ric Flair and one was Sting. And uh, Ric Flair slapped the figure four leg lock on and um, ripped the leg off right off, right off the uh, action figure. So, and then shortly after that, I got wrestling figures, but uh, you couldn't really do a figure four lock, leg lock with them anyways, but. Um, Which ones were you with? The Hasbro ones? The Hasbros were impossible. Now the LGN yeah, kind yeah. of bent, but the Hasbro is possible. No, yeah, the uh, Hasbros were were my first figures when I was a kid. I wound up getting some LGNs later on, but um, Hasbros were, were my generation. Um, but yeah, you know, so I started watching wrestling as young as possibly can remember, you know. Uh, and then, um, you know, that's what I always wanted to do. I always wanted to become a pro wrestler. And um, what, so when I started getting older, I was like, well, uh, you know, I guess I should start getting in shape and start getting ready to do this. And uh, when I was 17... I joined the Ring of Honor Training Academy. Um, I was trained by Austin Aries and then later on Brian Danielson. And, um, you know, I started wrestling uh, in January of 
2006. So we're coming at the end of the month, we'll be coming up on my, what is that? Uh, 18 years or something like that. My 18 year wrestleversary. So a, a long damn time. <laughs> but wow. Congratulations. And I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think, you know, I'm kind of a similar way. I feel like we're almost in that same age bracket. And, like, I don't remember a time when it wasn't a fan. My earliest memory, I think, is, like, watching WrestleMania 2 somewhere on TV. But, you know, um, you know, the figures are kind of what got me into it as well, you know, and the toys. And I was, you know, big into the Hasbro. And later, you know, the magazines would become an important kind of role in, you know, my wrestling. Because it was the way for me to connect. Um, you know, back then, obviously, there was no internet. There was no, you know, let's run to online and find results. You had to wait for the monthly magazines to come out. Um, so starting with Ring of Honor, now that's, you know, that's a notable name. It's a notable, very notable name. You know, it's probably one of like the third or fourth major wrestling companies in the, you know, industry, if you were to rank them. Um, and now starting with them right off the bat, did you feel kind of like overwhelmed? You know, you, you got names already training you and such. Uh yeah, well, it was definitely definitely a experience, you know, because you know, my first match, my very first match was inside a Ring of Honor ring. They used to, you know, it was a, during a dark match on the pre-show. So um, you know, I was kind of thrown right into the fire, you know, where people come to these shows and they expect to see the uh, best talent and uh, here they are they coming to the show and the first match they see is a, a 18 year old kid in his first match. But um, I don't think I disappointed, you know, I, um, I had very good training, very good fundamentals and basics. So I didn't go out there and expose the business or anything like that. But, you know, uh, I would, you know, cut my teeth on those Ring of Honor pre-shows and I started um, getting um, booked, you know, a whole bunch of other places, you know, just kind of showing up and getting booked and, you know, wrestling all over New Jersey and, you know, driving here, driving there, wherever the case may be, just to, you know, get reps in. And um, I started kind of, you know, getting building up some confidence in myself and like, you know, I'm like, man, like, you know, you know, I'm just doing all these pre-shows for Ring of Honor. I want to get, like, on the main show. I want to be, like, a real, like, wrestler here, you know. And um, I and I was looking around, and I'm like, man, like, you know, I'm trying to be the serious wrestler, but, you know, you got, like, all these great technical wrestlers here, like, you know, Brian Danielson, Nigel McGuinness, Roderick Strong, you know, Austin Aries, you know. How, how, how am I supposed to compete with these guys? You know, they've been doing it for years, you know. Yeah. And I kind of looked around and I was like, man, there's, there's not a whole lot of like characters here. So, um, and I was like, well, if I could kind of develop a character, you know, maybe that will, you know, help me stand out a little bit. And so I was thinking about that. And, you know, one day I was, it was WrestleMania weekend, uh, the year that it was, um, in Detroit, um, whatever WrestleMania that was, uh, I'm once I, prior to getting into wrestling, I can tell you dates, times, places, um, from like my fandom, but you know, after getting into wrestling, it's all, it's all blur, you know? Um, but, uh, th 
uh, it was WrestleMania weekend, and I was coming down to the ring, and Adam Pierce used to like do the uh, announcements from the backstage, you know, to kind of rib rib wrestlers and stuff like that. And he was like, "Now coming to the ring, the sexiest man alive, Red Titus." I was like, I heard it, and I was just like, "All right," and I just like started getting my Michael Hayes on, you know, and just kind of started rolling with it. And then uh, I came back, you know, the next show and I had like a robe and I was like, all right, you know, I'm going to run with this, you know, and just just started really focusing on more character work to uh, set myself apart from the rest of the pack. <clears throat> now, to backtrack a little bit, now, going into that, you know, like I said, starting in the Ring of Honor School and working the pre-shows, you didn't have to do the, the typical kind of indie stuff. Stuff, I'm guessing. You didn't have to, you know, you weren't working three or four shows a week and driving miles on end from multiple promoters. You were kind of just steadily in Ring of Honor working with them exclusively at the time? Um, No. Uh, you know, uh, Ring of Honor at the time would run two or three weekends out of the month. But, you know, whenever they weren't running, I was... I was looking, okay, you know, oh, hey, hit this guy up. Oh, uh, so you, you were know, able to take local booking. You were able to work the local scenes. Yeah, I, uh, I, and I was doing a lot more than a lot of the other guys that were at the school. So that you know, uh, and I started getting booked pretty regularly. You know, on the independents, you know, um, around New Jersey and the tri-state area, and uh, you know, and it didn't really have to do with much of you know my my uh, Ring of Honor fame. It was just kind of like me showing up and showing face and um, then when I get an opportunity, just going in there killing it. So kind of like, yeah, and I mean, like I'm saying, like, I know I said, I only ask because you hear a lot of guys, you know, now striving to get to get into Ring of Honor, where you kind of were like homegrown in there and kind of bloomed from within. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, at the same time, I was still, you know, driving the ring truck and, you know, setting up the show, tearing the show down, you know, you know, doing security at the shows, you know, you go back and yeah. watch a lot of those old shows, you'll, you'll see me, you know, doing crowd control or, you know, and yeah, then, I just sign up. Oh, you're going to be on TV. No. Yeah. Um, so, were the trainings real? Would you say the trainings were extensive? Like, were they really hard? Um, hard, you know, um, I don't know what the word really would be. Were they like hardcore training done? I mean, uh, I, I'll never forget, like, uh, my first my first day going to the Ring of Honor school, it was, um, it was my tryout to even get into the school. And uh, this was when CM Punk was still the head trainer. So CM Punk and Samoa Joe held the tryout. And I was, you know, 17 years old. And I was just like, all right. You know, my dad had to bring me and like sign a waiver, you know. And uh, I was, I just remember being like, hey, uh, you know, whatever happens, you know, I'm just not going to quit, you know. And I was not in good shape whatsoever, you know, but um all of a sudden they're like all right uh let's do hindu squats 500 and i was just like okay <laughs> you know and uh you know i i don't even really up until that point maybe you know 
I don't think I ever did any Hindu squats before. So it was 500 Hindu squats, but I just wouldn't quit. You know, it was a hundred and something pushups. It was, you know, um, a hundred sit-ups, you know, sprints, lunges, you know, I couldn't walk for, walk for a week afterwards, you know, literally I was going to my classes in school, going up and down the steps and having to like pull myself up the stairwell because my legs just weren't working. But, you know, and I remember just thinking, oh my gosh, like I got to do that every day. Oh, you know, um, but then when Austin Aries um, took over, he was kind of like, hey, you know, I'm here to be your uh, wrestling trainer. I'm not your personal trainer. You know, you can do that on your own time, you know, and which, you know, I respected, you know, because um, uh, it, you know, made sense to me. But he's like, not saying that you're not going to, you know, have to earn your way into this ring, which we did. You know, we still have to do all the squats and all that stuff. But, um, he was more so focused on the wrestling training. And then fast forward to Brian where, you know, um, you know, it was kind of back to doing a lot of squats and a lot of stuff. And, um, by the time Brian, um, got to be trainer, I had a full-time job at that time, you know, so I would, uh, always go to work and then, you know, drive over, you know, it was like an hour and a half from work. So after work, I would drive over there and, you know, it would always be rush hour and that sort of stuff. And, you know, I'd always wind up being like, you know, so Brian would always, 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 always make me do extra stuff, extra squats at, you know, um, and I was just like, Oh my God, goodness, you know, this is, this is crazy. You know? And I remember one day, um, I, I got out of work early. I was like, this is great. I'm going to be on time today. And, um, I'm driving there and then all of a sudden I hit traffic and I'm just like, Oh no. Like, uh, and so I'm like, you know what? I'll get dressed in the car while I'm here in traffic. So I don't have to, cause like practice started at like uh, five o'clock, like on the dot, you know, like it was, you know, if you weren't in the ring at five o'clock, you were late. So, um, I was driving and I'm like, you know what, let me, let me just get dressed in the car now. So I'm putting, putting my boots on, putting my knee pads on, you know, all that sort of stuff. And, um, uh, I pull up to the school, it's like four fifty-eight, and I, I'm running into the school, hop up there and I climb into the ring and I, I get in there just in time. And he's like, Oh, wow. Right. You made it on time today. And like, Oh yes. <laughs> yes. It wasn't easy, but I did. And we start, and then all of a sudden he's he's just like stop the screen stop I'm like, everyone looks at him like he's like who is dragging dirt into the ring and everybody looks around at the bottom of their feet and I already knew the answer <laughs> and I looked down to the bottom of our feet and of course you know there's dirt on the bottom of my shoes from having to run from the car into the school and. I wind up having to do all the extra exercises and everything anyway. So, you know, but, um, but yeah, you know, um, you know, even though I would always be late, it wouldn't deter me from going because I was able to learn a lot and um, have a uh, good time doing it. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, to really kind of step on what you were talking, you know, you were talking about the training and you know that the um 
I think, you know, the stamina training, the physical training, you know, the, the squats, the, the laps, the running, all of that is, is just as important as the wrestling training. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Know, I, I didn't even get into pro wrestling. Unfortunately, I tried. I was a, I'm a little, you know, small stature. And at the time, you know, I wanted to get in. They were just like, no, nah, not happening. Um, had I tried maybe today, maybe I would have – things would have been different. Schools are different trainers are different but anyways way i went into amateur boxing and very similar to you know for wrestling there is that line of both you know you, you got your boxing training where you're learning your combos you're learning all your skills but then you have to keep up with the other aspect of it and i remember like i joined this team training program and it was like two hours long every like twice a week i think and you know for the first hour and a half it was like okay 100 squats 100 push-ups, 200 sit-ups, laps, this, that. Then the last half, and I was like, okay, put your gloves on. We're going to do some boxing now. And it's <laughs> like, what? Wait, everyone's like tired, fatigued. And like, like my arms feel like rubber. That stamina that you needed to get. And I think, you know, wrestling is the same way. Um, you know, later on in life, I would get in the ring. I would, you know, play around. I would, you know, I would say, you know, I, I had a few, you know, friends that were in the industry, you know bring me and show me a few things. So we did, you know, some dark matches and fun stuff like that for the camera. And it was the same thing, you know, that stamina. If you didn't have it, it was like oh, that two or three minutes or whatever you're doing feels like I was on it. Um, you find it hard keeping up with all of that. You know, you, you got your, you know, your regular training, wrestling training, then you get your work and then whatever else you do. And it's like, do you find that hard to kind of balance everything? I mean, at first it was, uh, you know, anything new is going to be hard, you know, um, and uh, especially at the time, um, you know, I had my first son when I was 17, you know, when, when uh, before I even wrestled my first match. So, you know, throw that into the mix with all that other stuff too, oh, wow. <laughs> it becomes extremely difficult, you know, but, um, you know, uh I've never been shy or scared of hard work. I just always knew that um, I was going to have to work a little bit harder than the next person because of all these things. And, um, but definitely when I was younger, it was, you know, a lot harder because at the time I didn't enjoy working out. I didn't, you know, enjoy like, you know, um, sweating and stuff because I had come from being a fat kid. So um, I was, uh, always a fat kid growing up. So heavy set, you know, uh, and then, and I would always say like, oh man, like I can't wait till I get out of wrestling. I'm just going to stop going to the gym and get real fat and eat whatever I want. And then somewhere along the way, I'd say probably about, probably about 10 years ago, I was just like, man. I love working out, you know, and you really like um, develop a, a love for working out and getting in good shape and get just getting a pump and just the whole experience of going to the gym. Now, and... Let me ask you something, though, because, I mean, you know, me growing up, I saw plenty of wrestlers that weren't in, I would say, you know, good shape. You had people like King Kong Bunny, K-Stacks, Calhoun. You had these guys. What? What made you want to even get into that shit when you could just say, you know, the hell of it, let me just learn the wrestling and kind of just, you know, fake the rest of it. What made you want to get the physique? What made you want to get that? Well, you know, it's funny because like, like 
you know, uh, as a kid, you we play like uh, WrestleMania 2000. That was like the first time like you could create a wrestler or whatever, you know, or I, maybe it was Warzone the first time you could create a wrestler. But, you know, whenever I would create my wrestler on, on the video game, I'd always have like a T-shirt on, you know, and like uh, whenever I would like imagine myself as a wrestler or draw myself as a wrestler, you know, I'd have a T-shirt on. And... Um, then like uh you know like i i remember specifically because i was playing football and we would we would work out during football and you know it would be one of those things where i hated it and like when the coach wasn't looking i'd be i'd be taking reps off and like you know slacking and stuff like that and just getting through it and then um when i when I originally went to that um, Ring of Honor tryout, I was 230 pounds. And I was like, I left there and I was like, well, if I'm going to be doing this every day, uh, I'm going to have to get in a lot better shape. So I started joining the gym and then I started seeing progress. And I was just like, I, for the first time ever in my life, I saw like a little bit of like abs. I was like in my, top two abs i was like oh my gosh i i want a six pack you know and um it kind of just morphed from there and like before i knew it like i was down to like 185 and i was like shredded you know and um i remember i had um bumped into cm punk at a um at a at a, one of his last ring of honor shows before he went to wwe it was like the the next time i seen him since the tryout and i was like i was like hey and he he looked at me like he didn't know who it was i was like hey it's Rhett from the tryout and he's like oh he's like what the hell happened to you <laughs> i was like i was like all like kind of proud to like be like oh i've been working out and he's like, he's like are you sick i'm like no I, i've just been working out <laughs> you know but uh uh yeah, you know, it's like one of those things, you know, where you just once you start seeing a little bit of results, and I, I tell this to people all the time, you know, who are on a weight loss journey or trying to get in better shape, you know, results are addictive, you know. So if you start seeing something, you know, it's just gonna snowball, and you're like, wow, I want more, I want more, I want more, you know. And you know, as you can see, if you follow my wrestling career over my 18 years it's just like you know most people they get older you know they get in worse shape you know but as i've gotten older i've just gotten into better shape and you know with that being you know you learn more about your body um you learn more about working out you learn more about what works for your body and what doesn't work for your body and also what works for your diet and doesn't work for your diet, how you react to certain foods and certain, you know, if you like some people react better to carbs, some people react better to fats. So you learn this all over the years and, um, you know, it, you, it's a, a whole big trial and error, but I have, uh, I have it down to a pretty good science right now. <laughs> That's awesome though. That is great. You know, um, you know, I, I can say, you know, I tell you know, I'm always, you know, kind of one of those ones that would kind of play with, you know, what kind of works um, diet. And I remember, you know, when I was doing the whole boxing thing, um, you know, I would get very excited when I would, you know, because I, I came, when I gave into it, I was overweight, but I wanted to be in what weight class and weight 
that's a very serious and amateur, or very serious in boxing in general. You know, it, it's not like a kayfabe thing. You have to weigh what it says, and they're not going to let you. Yeah. So I wanted to get to certain levels, and I remember working towards it and working towards it, and then I hit it, and I was like, wow. And I'm like, you know what? I think I'm going to go even further and do the next. And, like, I went even lower. I was like, wow, I can do this. And you, you do. You feed off those results, like, no tomorrow. Yeah, and, like, you know, people, people like, uh, you know, have trouble, like, you know, eating, not eating certain things, you know, but like once you start living a healthy lifestyle and you, you, you know, you're eating good food, you feel so much better, you know, and like, you know, you look at this food and you're like, this junk food and you're like, man, I don't even want that anymore. Because when you do, you do. It, then you feel I mean, hard. When I was doing that, and probably some kids after probably my community, I would say, you know, I recently I would say my eating hasn't been the best. And there, but I mean, you know, you get older and it's kind of things can kind of get hard. Life gets hectic. You got to just remember to take that time. That what you eat is very important. It's another part of that whole system of making you whatever you want to be. You know, what you put in your body, um, you know, as far as food, you know, are you eating a lot of fast food or processed foods? Are you eating a lot of, you know, whole foods or plant-based foods that are going to bring you, you know, sustainable energy and more, you know, alertness or stuff that's going to cloud you? I think a lot of people also forget about that as well as that stamina training when they think, you know, pro wrestling. You know, a lot of them just think, oh, what's on TV or let's do flips and moves. But there is a whole system to this, you know, diet, this, that. It's like <laughs> any other athlete um, in general. You know, you have a whole system in place to make it whole. Yeah, uh, you know, and like some of the stuff that I do nowadays, like I, you know, uh, I couldn't imagine doing. Like I remember – it was like 2009 and uh chris hero was telling like this was uh when chris hero got in really good shape and i was like oh yeah what are, what are you doing he's like oh you know i uh alex shelley put me onto this uh intermittent fasting and i was like what's that and he's like oh basically you you fast for 18 hours and then you eat afterwards and um so i'm like oh man i could I could never do that, you know, and now like, uh, you know, fast forward all these years later, uh, I mean, I fast every day, <laughs> you know, it's just, yeah, I mean, that's actually, it's funny you said that's actually what works best for me is when, when I can actually, you know, intermediate fast. I mean, um, the only issues I have to do is I have to drink more water. I don't drink enough water. So then I end up getting hungry. I end up getting like, kind of an imbalance, but when I do everything proper, I'm a big fan of like, you know, that whole weight, 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 it kind of just, and it works really well. My body ends up having more energy in the day. I end up feeling better. But again, if, if you told me that 20 years ago, I would look at you and shake my head as well. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm not going to wake up and eat. I'm not going to eat what? How much? How yeah. long? Away? <laughs> yeah. And uh, for seven years now, I've been a vegetarian too. And like, I remember, Austin Aries, he, you know, he was my trainer and he was a vegetarian. I remember just being like, oh, man, how does he do it? You know, and then like all of a sudden, you know, I saw that what the health documentary and I was like, all right, I'm not eating meat no more. That's it. No more for me. And my wife was like, yeah, OK, like, sure, we'll see how long that lasts. And, you know, fast forward seven years later, here I am still like disgusted at meat. <laughs> That's great. Um that is wonderful. Again, very, very similar stuff. Like I said, 
Um, you know, when I jumped into that journey, and again, I jumped in not at a young age. I jumped in almost close to the 30 mark. So I was almost like out of the, you know, amateur and into like the master division. But I ended up going vegan for like five years. Oh, and wow. Going and giving up even the cheese, the dairy and all of that. And, you know, doing that with the fasting and everything, I was like at peak prime energy. Just like a oh, yeah. Um, I ended up did end up going back and forth now with the whole meat thing. And it's not that I even like miss meat. It's just honestly, it becomes something of like again, it goes back to taking the time for yourself. I end up um it just becomes easier just to get something with the meat or because it's it's more accessible or quicker to cook or whatever it is. And, and I don't want to make the time to do the other steps that it would take to replace it. I'm not really a big fan of like the fake meat products or all that, um, you know, um, uh, you know, you know, like fake chicken nuggets and all that. If I'm going to do, you know, vegan or I'm going to do vegetarian, I, I like to do, you know, like lentils or, or do something that I, I make myself. I used to make my own veggie burgers, you know, with lentils, rice, um, mushrooms, very simple, very healthy, very effective. But again, it take, it's taking the time for yourself and it's taking the time to do these things. And then when you, you kind of lose that, it's like, oh, it's just easier for me just to order a cheeseburger. Okay. You know, and, yes. and again, it, it's just remembering you need to take the time to feed yourself right. Yeah. I mean, you know, nowadays, uh, you know, compared to like, you know, let's say like 10 years ago, there's so many more plant-based options, you know, like if you're stuck in a, a, a jam, you can literally go to you know just about any fast food place and like you know they're gonna have some sort of option there you know so it's a you know a whole lot easier you know um i uh i mean i uh i'm uh, the way i have it set up is i i fast you know all throughout the day and um and then like at like eight o'clock at night around eight nine o'clock at night you know, it's, it's chow time, you know, and like from like that time until like 12 at night, usually maybe one is just like, depending on how late I'm up is, you know, it's just like my feet in the time, you know, and it's just like, uh, you know, I was, I was originally trying to go vegan, but kind of going back to what we were talking about before, um, vegan is a very, um, carb heavy diet. And my body doesn't re really react well to carbs. So um, had I gone vegan, you know, I probably wouldn't really be able to keep up with my physique the way I would like. So I'll tell you uh, what I did, what I ended up going to avoid that because the carbs were concerned with me too because I was trying to drop weight at the same time. I ended up, which is incredible and kind of crazy, but I ended up doing a gluten-free vegan diet, which was just very restrictive. <laughs> But it gave me a lot of different choices for the pasta. So I was using like quinoa pasta and stuff. Oh, wow. And it, it, did, it did counteract that carb-heavy kind of diet. But again, it's not for everybody. And again, different. it, it all depends on why people are eating. I know some people are in it for, um, you know, environmental reasons or for the animals themselves. Some are in for health. Like my mom, she went vegan at the same time. And she stuck with it and she hasn't turned back since. And she, you know, she loves it. And again, um, you know, depending on why, you know, there's certain things, you know, you can eat like she'll eat fish. She, she enjoys some fish once in a while. So, I mean, you kind of work what works for you into that diet. Um, 
But yeah, um, definitely it can be carb heavy. And depending on which way you go, it can be even more unhealthy because there is, like I said, a lot of processed um, alternatives out there, even at the, you know, the most fast food restaurants. And it's like, okay, yeah, but it is vegan, but is it good for you? Probably not. Um, but again, it goes back to taking that time. Um, but let's go back a little bit now um, to the wrestling. So, you know, you, you started going, you know, now you're in Ring of Honor, you're making a name for yourself, you collecting gold even. How um, how are you feeling at that point about your career? You know, it's time to flourish. Uh, I mean, uh, it was, uh, you know, leading up to the first time I ever won a title in Ring of Honor, the, it was the Ring of Honor World Tag Team Championships. Um, it was it was a very uh, surreal moment, you know, because you know here's somebody who you know went to the very first Ring of Honor show as a fan, you know, and uh, absolutely loved Ring of Honor and was you know just wanted to wrestle for Ring of Honor, like that was like my my goal, you know. And then here I am, you know, uh, Hammerstein Ballroom, you know, teaming with Kenny King to to beat Charlie Haas and Shelton Benjamin, you know, two guys that I, you know, watched on WWE TV for the Ring of Honor World Tag Titles. And, like, it was just like, wow, like, man, like, I I really made it, you know? Like, I really went and did it, you know? And then, um, you know, but uh, all that happiness was very short-lived because, you know, um, about – Two weeks later, Kenny King um, showed up on Impact. Um, you know, we had uh, different lengths in our contracts. So his was a year and mine was a year and a half. And, um, you know, he got an opportunity from Impact and, um, you know, he went and did it. And, uh, you know, I never, you know, held no ill will against him for any of that. But um, he uh, and he wound up getting fired from ring of honor and we got stripped of the world tag team titles. And, uh, uh, you know, up until this point, you know, um, I was very focused on being a tag team wrestler and, um, I wasn't really focused. I kind of, you know, took the, the gas pedal off of being a singles wrestler. So every, you know, thought I had in my head was about the tag team and making the tag team better. And then all of a sudden it's just like, Oh, well he's gone, you know, um, you're back to uh square one. And, uh, it was a very, um, you know, deflating, deflating. Kind of the harsh reality of the industry in a way. Um, yeah. Sometimes things just happen. The show goes on. Yeah, and um, you know it's it's crazy because you know being an entire team, you know, it's sometimes it can be uh, doesn't even have to be something that you did or something that happened happened to you that affects the tag team. You know, you could do everything right, and then all of a sudden, a decision somebody else makes affects the both of you. You know, and you know it. You know, or even injury, even injury can happen. Yeah. That's another, you know, unseen thing. And you know, if your partner's injured, you're not wrestling in a tag match. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, you know, I I didn't even think about that, you know, but yeah, it's crazy, you know. So I kind of, you know, was trying to find, you know, maybe some uh, um, other, you know, tag team partners, you know, and uh, for a long time it was very hard to kind of match the chemistry that I had with Kenny King. Uh, and you know, uh, 
And then it was about nine years later where myself and Tracy Williams actually won the Ring of Honor World Tag Team titles again. You know, that was, you know, a very long nine years, you know, um, to get back to that point, you know, and um, it was like, wow, like, you know, uh, um, you know, I'm back to like where I belong, you know, it was a very long journey to get here, but I never gave up, never quit, you know, never doubted myself. I was always just like positive and just always focused on, you know, setting goals and trying to achieve them. And um, yeah, and we were Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions and it was, you know, going great, you know, and it was like, wow, like, you know, this is how it was supposed to be with Kenny. And then all of a sudden, Tracy Williams is walking his dog one day and uh, he gets hit, hit by a car, <laughs> you know, um, and he can't wrestle. And uh, yeah, so once again, you know, um, the Ring of Honor World Tag Team titles, uh, you know, left our grasp. Uh, and it was, you know, based off of something that, you know, you know, it's not my fault. It's not his fault, but it's just something that happens, you know, and I was like, wow, uh, you know, maybe I'm not cut out for these tag teams. Maybe, uh, maybe I should go on, go in on my own, you know, maybe I'm better off as a singles wrestler because, you know, much like in like team sports or, um, you know, sports where you're kind of on your own, like, um, sometimes you know you could be playing a great game and then your team still loses you know or you know or in like the sport wrestling like uh not pro wrestling but like scholastic wrestling you know um you know it's one-on-one you know even though there's a greater team score you know most of the time you're just kind of focused on yourself and wrestling your own match you know so i was like hey uh yeah you know cool let's uh let's be a singles wrestler and i uh you know with that plan in motion um i actually wound up um capturing the ring of honor world television title and uh that was another bittersweet moment because it was actually the last um ring of honor show under the sinclair broadcasting group and uh the next day uh, I was released from my contract, you know? So, um, you know, here I am with this championship, but nowhere to defend it. And, uh, you know, Ring of Honor was no longer going to be in business. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, and that's the thing though, but um, let me ask you just go back to a quick question. Would you say overall on your career, did you, would you prefer being a tag wrestler or a singles uh, wrestler? Oh man. Um, it, it's a hard question because I, I really um, love the art of tag team wrestling. Um, but you know, for reasons like I explained, you know, singles have a lot more benefits, you know, <laughs> because like I said, it, you don't have to focus on anybody else. You kind of just got to focus on yourself. So um, it's it's a hard question, you know, because um, like I said, I love tag team wrestling. You know, I got to, I, you know, one of the reasons why I love tag team wrestling so much is because I was benefited the um, experience of, 
you know, having Jim Cornette as my boss and he would agent a lot of our tag team matches and tell us what to do, what not to do. And learning from somebody like that, you know, you pick up real, real quick, real easy, you know? And um, so I have all this tag team knowledge in my mind and um, all this tag team experience that I've had over the years, but no tag team partner. So, you know, at the end of the no, day, I, I agree. And, you know, like I'm a big fan as well of tag team wrestling. That's kind of, you know, one of the things that you remember the kid and being a lot of good tag teams, you know, you had contended like Heart Foundation, Demolition, Rockets, you know, um, Cam Manage, um, you had all these tons of names, British Bulldogs. You know, and some of them, you know, would go on later to have great singles career. Some of them just fade a bit. To me, it was always an art tag team, and it still is an art today, if it's done right. And I'm very opinionated about tag teams. One thing I can't stand in tag team wrestling is makeshift tag teams. I like tag teams to be tag teams. I like them to work together. I like them to look similar, at least in gear. You know, have a matching move or two. Have a similar gimmick. Don't just be two, you know, top stars thrown together. Unless it makes sense for a story. Just, you know, continuously go out there to face two other top stars. I like good tag teams, you know, that work together and, and you get that good chemistry and that good rhythm. And it is a true art to be able to tag with somebody and pull it off with that all working together. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of like my biggest pet peeve with tag team wrestling nowadays, like, uh, is that a lot of times people don't follow the tag team rules. <laughs> you know, that was, you know, you see, you know, the whole point is, you know, you're supposed to come in when you're tagged, you know, not when ever you feel like it or whenever your opponent's in danger or just to set up a spot or something like that, um, which was really cool when we when we won, when uh, Tracy Williams and I won the um, Ring of Honor tag team titles again, um, we were able to enforce the pure rules. So we were able to have... Uh, pure rules tag matches where you know had to be holding the tag rope must be hand-to-hand tags no back tags you know um you'd only get um like uh so many rope breaks slash um pinfall breaks or submission breaks you know so if you were to break up a uh, submission or pinfall after after you um expended all of them you were disqualified matches over you know so it was really cool kind of trying to um reset team wrestling that way uh no most definitely most definitely and um so like you said you know all this is going on and you know and then you know the whole world was struck with tragedy in 2020 you know wrestling i feel got impacted a lot and heavy um, at least in my area, New England, you know, it was shut down completely. Um, how did that affect you? How did it affect your mental state? Were you able to wrestle them? Were you able to train them? Or was it kind of shut down for you as well? Uh, I mean, it was uh, it, it was shut down, yeah, because uh, Ring of Honor was, you know, not um, not running any shows. You know, they were like, hey, um, we're, we're going to pay you guys um, while – while we're out but um you know we we can't be running shows until we figure out a safe way to do it and they wound up um 
constructing a system sort of like the NWA bubble where we would go to a hotel and we'd sit in the hotel for a few days. We weren't allowed to leave or nothing like that. And um, then we would have to be COVID tested and like twice. And, you know, we obviously you had to pass them and, you know, they would change the ring um, ring mat after each match and wipe down the ropes after each match and clean the turnbuckles and everywhere after each match. And it was just like a, a long day of filming because of all these extra steps we had to take. No fans were allowed. So you're literally wrestling for nobody, you know, um, no energy from the crowd. But um, the other thing too is, you know, I would like uh, leaning into the pandemic. I was a a gym two time a uh, two time a day guy. You know, I love going to the gym. You know, and I just love the atmosphere, love the environment there. And then all of a sudden, gyms are closed. You know, <laughs> and then, like it's like, uh, well, I got this set of dumbbells here. Like, uh, what am I supposed to do? You know. And luckily, I was driving down the street one night, and I I saw this uh, weight bench on the garbage. Somebody was throwing out a weight bench, and it had like a, um, a like a um, a preacher curl attachment to it. It had like a a leg extension attachment to it, and I was like, "Wow, like <laughs> this is mine!" And like you know, because everything was so crazy at the time, like I had to like go get wipes and wipe it down before I brought it home, and like, and I set it up in my backyard. I was like, "Oh wow!" Like I, you know, I couldn't have been happier, you know. And then like, no lie, a week later, after that. Um, the guy who lives across the street from me was moving out and he just so happened to have a bunch of workout equipment that he was throwing out. So I was able to like get a pull up, um, pull up bar dip station and bring that into the backyard. And I was able to set up a whole little gym in my backyard. And I was like, I was like, wow, I never want to go back to the gym. So, but like, obviously it was like freezing cold out for some of that time too. But I would just put on layers and layers of clothes and just, you know, head out there and, you know, gloves and snow hats and the whole nine yards. And also, um, in a way to kind of like try to help give back to people, um, you know, who may not have the knowledge of how to work out without machines or how to, you know, do fitness at home or anything. I started, um, doing um a series called flex with Rhett on my youtube and all my social media accounts where i would run people through workouts that you could do at home with weights no weights or whatever the case may be just so that people you know had something to do to keep them active you know because so many people just you know use that time um during the pandemic to well uh, i guess i'm just gonna drink a bunch of booze and eat a bunch of food and watch watch a bunch of shows on netflix you know and um when definitely, you know definitely was you know a really weird time you didn't have to do that you know, <laughs> not being able to get out not being able to do you know even being afraid you know to go out at some points or sometimes you know like i said being in lockdown being you know, here and there, you know, I have people that were, you know, high priority, not like can't get sick at all. Um, 
So I wasn't able to even go out much myself, but seeing people, you know, like I said, I watched a lot of YouTube at the time. I just, when I started to talk with the idea of PSW, I started in my head, you know, how I wanted to do things when wrestling came back and, you know, so forth. But um, I did watch a lot of things and it's very inspiring to see how people, you know, and I always like hearing the story about people, you know, who took this really negative experience of the pandemic and kind of brought positivity to it how they overcame it and you know it's not like you know you were still able to you know stay in fit shape and, and not let you know it you know kind of destroyed that at least that part and and not only that like you said you were able to give back and you know and, and show others how that it can be done at home too and i remember watching it i don't know if i watched you specifically but i do remember watching a lot of like kind of workouts i didn't have equipment i didn't have weights i didn't have anything but i didn't want to put on these extra pounds i didn't want to just become you know like I said, it was very easy just to sit there and just eat and watch TV and movies and just be very unmotivated because there's nothing going on in the world. And there's, there's nothing to watch. And it was just like this very sad part, you know. And like I said, coming from a time when I was very, very busy, I was just trying to pick up things with going to shows and kind of capturing. I do a lot of shorts. And so it was like I said, going to a lot of shows, I had just went, um, you know, Beyond had a show, BT Dub and, um, Evolve actually had their last show that I wouldn't even know would be their, their last show at the time, but I remember going to that and I had like two shows that week, and then all of a sudden there was like no more shows, no more nothing. So everything was just shut off. Yeah. And you know, like at first, you know, people would joke and it was like, oh, we'll be back to it in about a week. You know, weeks turned to months and months turned to a year. <laughs> but I always like to, you know, like I said, hear how people kind of got through it and what, what they did and what inspired them. And, and did they stay with it or did they let themselves just totally, you know, go and kind of get back to it? Um, you know, myself, I had had my, my son back in 2018. So 2020, you know, he was about two and it was just like, it was, it was wild having a two-year-old stuck in the house 24-7 <laughs> um, for, you know, at least three or four months before. I remember at least three or four months because I don't even know how long. My wife works at a daycare, so you know he was able to go with her, but she was out of work too for a while. They shut yeah, yeah. down. So, yeah. you know, it was just us home, and it was it was wild times. Um, but but yeah, I always like hearing that. Yeah. But then you know we got some idea that Tom wrestling would return, the world would open. Again, I saw you at one of those return kind of shows. I don't know if it was, it wasn't their first show back, but it might have been the second or third. Um, after Beyond, so so you started to um start taking bookings again um across. Was Ring of Honor running at that time? Um, yeah, but they were kind of they weren't like running like live shows. They were just kind of like we would go to the bubble. We would tape like for like uh, essentially like three months worth of content, you know, and then we'd be off for a few months, you know, and we could, you know, we could take bookings um, in between. It just was that you couldn't take them like a week or two before, or if like somebody like um, that, that a show that you're on, like had like wound up with COVID, you would have to, um, you know, be, you'd be taken off the show. Uh, you know, I remember there was like that one, like, uh, what was it? Like uh, the GCW collective where like a lot of people got COVID at or whatever. And like, 
There's a yeah. few Ring of, Honor, Ring of Honor guys on that, and everybody who is booked for the the um, the show was taken off. You know, be just just to be safe. You know, but yeah, I was you know trying to take some bookings and stuff and try to do it safely, and you know, because you know I had you know my son at home. You know, he was born in 2019, so he was like a year younger than your son. You know, so. Yeah. Um, so it uh yeah it was just it was it was a different time you know but yeah i was you know the other thing too is like you want to you want to take the bookings because you don't want to show up to tv and like you know not having wrestled in three months and like go out there and have to put on like a a 20 minute you know classic you know and you're (laughs) yeah you need the ring time you don't want to stay out of shape but 21 was just a wild year in general. I remember the city guitar, like, going to – just soaking up as many shows as I could. I got as far out as, like, to Jersey, Pennsylvania line, going to that IWTV 100. And then all the way up, all the way to, like, um, the tip top of Maine, you know, for Limitless and other shows out that way. I just actually, really, um, you know, getting the whole scene of the place. But it was such funny. fun. I even got out to the, you know, Boardwalk GCW. But it was dodging a lot of that, you know – just hoping you're not getting sick. You know, you're trying to watch the feed. Oh, seven people sick from the show over the weekend. Better test before I go to the next show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and kind of just being responsible. There was a few shows I couldn't go to. Usually I got sick sometimes. Um, other times I was just kind of nervous. Other people were sick. And I had like three shows back to back to go and check out. I'm like, okay, which one do I want to lose the money on? Because I don't want to take, you know, risks. But wild time in 21, definitely. And really, like I said, that would be the launch of my product. And when I really want, you know, the whole idea of BSW was to get eyes and get on the scene. I learned in 2000, when I started in the scene was 2017, 18. I'd always been a fan of pro wrestling. Took a break from watching TV wrestling around 2003, though. The PGR, and that, I'm not PGR, the PGR, the, um, the ruthless aggression era was okay. But I was at an age where I was just trying to, you know, make a career. I was trying to do other things. I didn't have time for wrestling. Not like I did in the Attitude Era. Attitude Era, I was still in high school. My buddies would be talking about it. It was just so much different. Now everybody went their separate ways, and there was no time for wrestling. I took a lot of time just not watching it and just never got into the PG Era after that. But around 2017, I would get into the indie scene, you know, checking out a local show, and then I would start watching WWE again, then, you know, AEW, Ring of Honor, New Japan, Impact. I would soak it as much up as I could and dismiss, you know, make up for lost years. But, you know, around that 2018-19 era is when I realized, you know, indie wrestling is really good. The only difference is no one's watching it is because no one's seeing it. It's not getting on TV, but a lot of these matches are really well told and really well put together. So I started doing, you know, a um, program where, you know, I take a lot of footage. My shorts program was doing good on YouTube. I would try to get into music wrestlers. And my main purpose, eyes and ears on that independent scene. And, um, you know, it's just been, you know, it's been a wild ride. And I just remember 21, really, like I said, kicking it off. 22, 23, you know, would be good, too. But, you know, it would be different. Now, you yourself, you know, I said you you would come back. You were doing that. You were doing the tapings. Um then Ring of Honor would merge, right, with AEW? Um, yeah. Uh, well, not necessarily merge. So basically, Ring of Honor released everybody from their contracts, 
And, you know, at that time, they kind of put out some feelers if anybody was interested in buying the company. And then um, Tony Khan actually went up buying Ring of Honor. So now it's a, you know, a AEW, an extension of AEW. Did you end up going with them? Um, so, I mean, I was still a TV champion, so, you know, I came in and, um, to their first pay-per-view and I wrestled, uh, Minoru Suzuki, um, for the TV title and I, I dropped the title to Suzuki and, um, then it was, you know, uh, kind of used me sporadically here and there and then they kind of then they started launching the ring of honor TV on the honor club again. And, you know, they started bringing me back for that, you know? So, um, you know, they use me sporadically here and there, you know, um, not signed to them or anything like that. Um, would I like to be, I would love to be, you know, because ring of honor has always been my home. And, um, you know, if there's a ring of honor, every incarnation of ring of honor, I've been a part of it somehow, you know? So, um, you know, kind of, I would love to be there all the time, you know, so uh, watching from the outside, you know, definitely uh, stings a little bit, you know, but um, happy to see it continue and um, go on, though, because uh, you're still very much active today. You're still very much involved. You're still in the ring. Yeah. You know, it's funny that um, we were talking about the pandemic and going back to wrestling shows and, you know, you live in Maine. No, I live in Mass. Okay, but close enough to Maine, I guess, because Maine was actually, uh, I did an indie show in Maine with um, one of our mutual friends, Luke, um, you know, me and uh, Vinny Pacifico wrestled him, uh, him and his partner, the competition, and um, that was actually the first time I caught COVID was up there, um, so it was like one of those things where the whole locker room wound up getting it, you know, it's like that the Facebook um, page, you'd see like, oh man, I just tested positive for COVID. Oh man. And so it's like, oh man, all these guys are testing positive. And then like, then like, I remember it just like, um, like I was working out in my backyard and I was, I did my first set and I was like winded. And I was like, oh, that's weird. You know, I'm winded after the first set. And then like I went inside and uh, I was eating and I was like, this doesn't taste like anything. This is pretty weird, you know? And then I was started thinking about, Oh no. Oh no. And like, I grabbed one of my wife's like, you know, bath and body works candles. And, uh, you know, those ones that like smell like crazy. I'm like, and I couldn't smell it. No, I was, Oh man. And I told my wife and she was like, Oh no. And, you know, that was my, my first time with it, you know? So, you know, the first time's always the worst time. Cause like, you know, at that time, you know, it was like, if you get COVID, you're going to die, you know? So. Yeah, it was crazy. We, my whole family would end up catching at the end of 2020. And, you know, we'd catch it a few more times. But that, that first time was just very scary. Like, ended up, somehow, one of us was at, you know, one of our parents' houses. The other ones were at the other. So we ended up having to quarantine from each other, even though we all had it. It was very bizarre. And they had oh. A 30 day quarantine period for my son for no reason. So, like, we didn't see each other, me and my wife, my kid, for like 30 days. It, it was oh. nuts. Totally nuts. Um, just, but like I said, we'd catch it then, and it was like, you know, people were just really strict. And, you know, luckily, 
you know, with the variants, it went in a, a better direction where people would get less sick and, and not so severe. But those early days were very scary. Very, very scary. Um, speaking of our mutual friend, Lou, have you ever to watch this movie? What, the uh, Kill City Cup? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I watched it. I watched it uh, live when it played on YouTube, when like uh, when it got released. What'd you think of it? Pretty good, right? I mean, I thought it was pretty cool. It was definitely different, you know. Um, definitely like uh, you know, not your typical wrestling show, you know. Um, but I thought it was cool, you know. Um, it, um, you know, if it's just all about getting it to people getting in the right hands of people that like can you know really do something with it you know what i mean like um you know if like a, let's say like a, some sort of streaming company you know saw something like that they'd be like oh wow like you know we could put this on our streaming network it'd probably be a lot cheaper to make this than to uh you know make a new you know 12 episode series of you know uh you know some sort of show that's on netflix or or something like that but yeah no i saw it i thought it was cool it was definitely different um uh and it's just about the right people seeing it you know i i i did my best to try to share it and you know um uh let other people see it that you know may have not seen it but um yeah i definitely enjoyed it. did you get to see it yeah, I love seeing the creativity, you know, and that's, and that's one thing that, you know, that kind of got me through, and I'll say through the pandemic era of things, is when wrestling came back, and I started seeing all these tapings, and then I started to see real creative tapings. Like, I remember seeing one, I forget the promotion, but it was pro wrestling with the sounds of, like, Mozart in the background and stuff, and it was this really nice cinematic clean wrestling. WWE started their cinematic wrestling. Um, you know, you would have the Undertaker match, you'd have that Bray Wyatt match, you could have multitude of cinematics added into WWE. Um, and other, you know, independent promotions would throw things in. You know, that's what kind of Kill City Cup reminded me of Brian back of that kind of era where there was this great creativity just using what you were, you know, had and they took wrestlers that you would never have thought would even go together, threw them together, made it work. And, you know, made it fun, interesting. You kept it under, you know, in a very good time period. It wasn't like a drag three-hour show. It was a nice, like, I think, hour and a half, you know. Really just taking all the essences. And and now I, I always talk about Gil City now because, you know, for a while I got in a rut of everything being kind of similar, same, um, you know. Independent wrestling there is not really exclusive. You don't, unless, you know, the promoter brings the one up, but two up, you know, two one up. You know, everybody in the on the roster is most likely going to be at a next show tomorrow or you know next week. Nobody's really exclusive. Nobody has the contract. Nobody has that power or money or whatever. Um, so things can kind of get still. You start seeing this day in matches. You start seeing patterns. But when you know, so I got very kind of still. That when I saw Kill Sales, thinking ah, because it's something totally different. Something totally not out there right now and it, it kind of refueled everything like, wow this is really interesting i'm gonna start you know interviewing some of their guys and you know talking to them and, and starting getting into the great work i went up to you know a convention up there and met the and some of the characters 
lot of fun. But um, no, I always talk about it because it did kind of reinvent even myself. Another one of those inspiring pieces. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, we have that mutual friend Luke. He actually asked me a question. Um, it was see if I remember it now. Probably going to screw it up, but how that was. He was who was the greatest um, Cash Money Records rapper? Oof. 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 He says you were really like big into like that, like I would say 99, 2000 era, the, the, the oh, fast yeah. badass up there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, that, uh, I mean, you know, I I remember uh, my freshman year of uh, high school, I had that uh, cash money millionaire's medallion that I bought at the, at the mall for like 30 bucks. I thought I was like, you know, you know, the coolest person in school, you know, and then one of the cubic zirconias fell out of it and I wasn't that cool anymore. <laughs> um, but man, oh, uh, uh, you know, I mean, coming from, you know, where he was back then and to where he is now, I mean, you can't really say any of them are better than Little Wayne. Um, uh, he's definitely, you know, because he just was like the little brother of Cash Money, you know, but then he became a megastar, you know, the most popular one of them all. Um, but I, uh, you know, a lot of people um, slack on uh, Manny Fresh <laughs> but I really I really enjoy Manny Fresh not only just for his beat making but you know he has some clever lines too uh, he always he always gives me a nice chuckle you know and uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the Birdman baby himself you know <laughs> so yeah, I, mean, uh, myself, I was a big I got really big into Cat Money I, I was big into Juvenile I was actually a senior in high school when that album dropped, so it was like really big, really popular. You know, popular with all the kids. Everybody was partying for that song back then. That's up, like I said. Oh. Um, and then you know later on, you know I would get more into it, start to follow along. Um, you know, Birdman, Little Wayne. I actually got to see them in Boston. I, I was a big fan of Little Wayne, like especially in the Carter era. Like really, just every every song on that album just like banged. Honestly, I, I can't think of a bad song on that album. And yeah. I think also, you know, out of Little Wayne, he, he did blow up, but he did a lot more collabs than any of the other people besides maybe Birdman. Birdman did a lot of collabs, but he did a lot of collabs. He jumped in with Jay-Z. He jumped in with other producers. He jumped in with other, you know, rappers, where the other guys in Cash Money kind of didn't get that far out there. Yeah, they kind of, a lot of those Cash Money guys kind of stuck to themselves for the most part. I mean, obviously, BG was in, prison did he ever get out of prison yet i don't even i don't even know but um you know and uh then like little turk you know whatever happened to him you know uh but and juvenile you know obviously juvenile is gonna eat off of back that ass up for the rest of his life you know yeah that's that one uh he had a few other hits um but you know none as big as back that ass up i mean when that, whenever that song comes on, you know, look out, you know. <laughs> I, um, I got you another question, Ben. What was um? What would you say your greatest like Ring of Honor match was? And like, 
not even so much as like this one that left you at the end in this like total awe. Just like wow, that was like a good match. I feel good. My it was a good opponent. Like everything just was perfect. Oof. Um, man, I had so many of them, but um, probably um, one of my definite favorites was it would be um, from Honor Takes Center Stage Night 2 and it was myself and Kenny Kane versus J.M. Mark Briscoe and um, it was an absolute bloodbath <laughs> you know and um, I'll never forget um, there was one point in the match where me and Jay Briscoe were just covered in blood and we're, we're head to head, you know, getting into it, going one, two, back and forth, boom, 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 boom. And he, he hit me back into the ropes. And as I came back, I hit him with a form right across his chest. And like, you could just see the blood fly into the sky. And I remember on my way down, I, uh, his center stage is a very, uh, tight, um, tight building, you know, this is where they used to tape WCW Saturday night and stuff like that. But the, um, like all the, the like producers table was right there underneath hard cam. So as I hit him with that form, I remember looking over and, and I saw Jim Cornette hop out of his seat and throw his arms in the, in the air in excitement I remember just laying there on the mat being like, yeah, <laughs> we got him, you know? Like, I mean, if you have somebody who's seen as much wrestling as Jim Cornette hopping out of his seat and throwing his arms in the sky, you know, you know you're doing something right, so. Yes, uh, yes. You can make him pop, you have won. <laughs> yeah, but that, that'd that probably be my, my favorite match. And especially, you know, fast forward, you know, all these years later, you know, where we're at now um, definitely holds a lot more meaning to me. Yeah, with all the tragedy and everything, I mean, just sharing locker room with those guys must be a real sentimental meeting. Um, you know, and especially, like I said, we lost a lot of wrestlers, I feel like, in the last few years in general. And it's sad, um, you know, people don't get, you know, people form a bond, a brotherhood. It, it becomes a family, especially when you're on the road with these guys constantly, more than your own family, you know, it becomes you. Um, and it affects yeah. everybody differently, you know. It, it it is more, you know, it's more than the internet makes it out to see. You know, I feel sometimes the internet can be so, you know, so kind of just it just makes things worse for you know incidents or things. Where like back in the day when you know tragedies happened, people mourned. It was just might have been more private, but it felt more you know sacred or more closed. Whether it didn't have you know. It didn't have the, you know, what happens in, you know, society today, I, I find, you know, you have tragedy, you got people mourning, and then you got, you know, people that deal with their mourning through other avenues, whether it's jokes and funny things, and that's fine for them to do, and, but sometimes it offends other people, and then you got, you know, funny memes, and millions of funny memes going around, some people are offended, some people, and it becomes more about the, you know, the meme than it even becomes, you know, about the memory of the person, it's just like, where before, you know, like my own heart died, for instance, people just were upset, they were sad, they talked about it, but there was no internet to kind of 
blow it up and throw it around, yeah. and throw it in people's faces. I guess social media can give uh, any idiot a voice now, you know, and, um, you know, you, anybody can say whatever they want and without fear of, you know, they can go on Twitter and, you know, curse somebody out or, you know, disrespect somebody or, you know, disrespect one of their loved ones without the fear of, you know, getting punched in the mouth, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, um, you know, uh, social media is great for a lot of things and the internet's great for a lot of things, but, you know, also it kind of, you know, uh, twisted reality a little bit too, where some of these people got really comfortable saying things that they probably wouldn't say in person. Definitely. Definitely. And I got one for but yeah, um, I don't want to take too much of your time. Um, let me ask you. So now we descend to 24. What do you want? What do you want to do this year? What do you want to do in your career? Do you have any like big plans or aspirations? Man, and he was born um, twelve, twelve. You know, um, and uh, you know, so I was getting ready to, you know, you know, start heading up and um, getting back out uh, in the new year. And uh, you know, uh, well, so my wife, um, she, you know, um, works a job with a. Um, a hospital where she uh, is, you know, does the billing or whatever. And, you know, she was supposed to be on um, family leave for the next like uh, three months or whatever the case may be. And um, they, uh, they actually, after originally approving her twice, um, you know, right after Christmas, she was supposed to get her first check and, um, it was zero dollars <laughs> and we called them up and they're like, Oh, actually uh, you won't be getting that money even though she's paid into it for years and all that jazz. So, um, you know, kind of left me at a trying time where, you know, um, my wife had a C-section. I don't want her to go back to work and, you know, but, um, you know, so right now I'm just hustling, <laughs> you know, I'm hustling as much as I can, you know? So, uh, my goal for 2024 is to make as much money as I possibly can so that uh, my wife doesn't have to go back to work, you know, so, um, but yeah, you know, uh, and, you know, uh, just, you know, and, you know, reality, uh, I just want to be back with Ring of Honor full time, you know, um, still have a lot of friends there and uh, that's where my heart is, you know, um, I love Ring of Honor and um, I really want to be a part of it and um really give that you know old time ring of honor feeling to the new ring of honor great we can't wait to see what that um, 24 does that is only you hope you make lots and lots of money um if you have merch and stuff where can we buy it can we buy it i mean you can go to pro com slash ret titus anx that's r-h-e-t-t T-I-T-U-S-A-N-X. Um, you know, or you can hit me up on Twitter at Rhett Titus A-N-X, same spelling. Um, Facebook, um, Rhett Titus on Facebook, Instagram, same as uh, Twitter as well. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm actually uh, selling a bunch of my own merch and um, selling a bunch of old school Ring of Honor items as well. So... I had a bunch of like 
um, old out of print Ring of Honor t-shirts that have been going for uh, quite a bit of coin. You know, a lot of people want to get their hands on some of this stuff. So, um, you know, um, hit me up. You know, I got sound my old tights, boots, whatever the case may be. I have to go look at myself. I'm going to go shopping on for merch myself. I have such a t-shirt collection. I can't do shirts. I got no room, but I can do trunks maybe or something else. Boots maybe, but no more shirts. I got like, yeah, kind of like almost like 2,500 shirts, indie shirts. Oh my goodness. Like ridiculous amount. Um, I have no room. They're just stacked in piles. Um, and like it's I funny. said, that, that was what I did in 2020. I would just, I wanted to support guys. I mean, not only did it affect me, but, you know, I was friends with a lot of Indian guys and a lot of people on my timeline. So I would see a lot of, you know, people struggling. I was like, well, I mean, I can't just throw money. I'm not a millionaire, but I can buy merch. Um, yeah. So I would do like these random drawings where I'd buy like five keys a week or an indie shirt a day. And like, it just ended up spiraling where I would be buying all these shirts from Pro Wrestling Tees, especially when they would have like sales. You know, no free shipping and 20% off. I just like stock up and buy, you know, 20, 30 shirts at a whack. Oh, but, um, but great. yeah, fast forward now, I have no room for shirts. But other stuff, yes, I can do. It's, it's um, funny. It's funny because, like, my wife, every time we would move, she would try to get me to get rid of all my wrestling shirts. And I'd be like, no, 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 no. I got to hold on to these, you know, got to hold on to these. Yeah, I can't get rid of these, you know. And, you know, it was, uh, <laughs> you know, it was uh, these T-shirts that, uh, you know, paid the mortgage. So, <laughs> <laughs> you never know. And like that stuff adds up in value fast, huh? especially they, the, the, the they too. Some of those figures are worth a pretty penny, you know. <laughs> Yeah, um, you know, I've had my figures for so long too that uh not not exactly uh ready to <laughs> depart with those yet, you know, because my, my son really likes them and still too. So Yeah, yeah, the kid. I mean I said I have a kid around the age and um, you know, I had a house fire back in two thousand ten. Oh no. Ago. So I ended up losing like my Hasbro's and like toys and my Legos and all that stuff. Um uh. So another thing I did in 2020 was the, the only thing that was good about well, two things that were good about the house fire. One is my the, my house, like my family photos and videos were safe. They didn't get destroyed and nobody got hurt. Anything else could be replaced. And most of it actually was, um, well, not everything, but a lot of, um, I did end up started recollecting figures in 2020 as well as a hobby. And um, I actually ended up picking up the first series of um, the Ring of Honor figures. Those are pretty cool. Oh, wow. Um, I actually got the Briscoes. They're still in the package with um, Jay Lethal, too. I have him as well. Um, you know, just, um, but yeah, the, um, and same thing with the AEW guys. And, um, you know, my kid, he loves the, um, he loves to play with the elites. But the elites are so, like, they're so, a lot of them are so fragile. So I, I ended up buying a lot of, like, old LGNs. Because back in 2020, he was three years younger. So I bought a bunch of just used LGNs and let him start playing with those first. Because those can't break. Oh, no. Now, you know, he's older. Now he can play with the, the um, you know, the more elite ones that aren't so, like, breakable. But, yeah, it was wild time. But, yeah, the figures are another thing, too. Um, all these things. Um, but they do add up in value, and they are collectible, believe it or not. Oh, yeah. You know, it, it's great, though. But, um, yeah, you know, and like I tell people, always support wrestling. Wrestling because, you know... Regardless whether it is, you know, the small key, you know, the small keychain or, you know, like the t-shirt or whatever it is, it helps. It's supplementary income, similar to, you know, 
guys and girls doing DoorDash, something else to make extra income. None of these guys that are on the scene are millionaires, you know, really um, having, you know, making millions of dollars on the table. So it is like just extra. So I do urge people to help if they can. Um, and it's a great way. You get something. It's not like, you're, you know, you're just throwing money in the air. You get cool merch. Yeah. Um, sometimes, you know, something vintage even, you know, if you are collecting, you send, you know, you got old Ring of Honor stuff. I know a lot of people that like, you know, the oldest stuff, especially people that have, you know, watched Ring of Honor from its beginning, you know, in those early days, really are into, the, you know, the history of it. Um, you know, they even got shows on WWE with the treasure hunters, you know, going after these rare WWE vintage items. You know, it all started from just a collector buying it out of a magazine or buying it from, you know, somebody at a convention. And now it's worth, you know, tons of money. It all starts by just supporting wrestling. But I do thank you very much for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure. We've had a lot of great, you know, talking and really insight into the um, industry. And I said, I didn't even know that much about Ring of Mana going into this. I've watched it. But I didn't really know, you know, how deep of a history it had. Um, uh, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, like, yeah. I said, like, I, you know, like I said, a lot of that time period when Ring of Mana was coming you know, around, I wasn't watching wrestling. I was, you know, trying to, like I said, busy making, you know, you know, families and doing things and, you know, trying to, you know, do a million other things that just had nothing to do with wrestling. Um, so when I did came back, there's a lot of catch up. I mean, I've done some, I'd say maybe like 60% of the catch up. I'm still, you know, still trying to go back and watch shows and, you know, catch shows and find ways, you know, subscribing I mean to different networks on and off. With the amount of shows that happen on a regular basis nowadays, it would be impossible to catch up with everything, you know, over the past few years. Oh, you know? It is. I mean, one time I was just trying to just watch what was on for one week, and it was just like, I have no time to do anything else. Exhausting. Exhausting. It's a full-time job, you know. It really is. It really is. But again, thank you for coming on. And um, like I said, um, you know, we'll, we'll keep an, uh, an eye out and see. Hopefully we see you on and see you soon um, wrestling. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for having me, guys. And thank you, everybody, home for watching. Have yourself a great weekend and week. Versace Stoner out. Welcome to the Kill City.